Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Church history like you've never seen it. We sang, there's nothing that our God can't do. But he doesn't always do what we like. Sometimes he doesn't meet our expectations. He's powerful enough. He's able. But he doesn't do what we think he ought to do. If you've ever experienced that with God, then we're in good company as we turn to Acts chapter 1. Today we begin a new series, a four-part series on the book of Acts, as we watch how the church expands from Jerusalem to all the parts of the earth. So I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to dive right in. There's a lot to cover, and it's going to be, I think, and I hope, a pivotal study for us. We sang the spirit lit the flame, and this is what we're going to see in in the book of Acts. So I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, so you can follow along as I read from the ESV. In the first book, this is what Luke is writing. His first book is the Gospel of Luke. He also writes Acts. So he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know. There's some disappointment. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... Here's the new news. You will receive power, divine enabling when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way as you saw him go. Now, this is Luke's second account, his second volume, and his first volume ends in chapter 24 of Luke. And and the story goes like this. Jesus has died. He has raised up from the dead, 
And two of his disciples, we know only one's name, Cleopas, uh, Cleopas, they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven hour, I mean, seven uh, mile walk. So they're walking. And as they're walking, they're discussing what happened in Jerusalem. I mean, it was a big to-do. Jesus had been crucified. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears alongside of them. He says, hey, what are, you, what are you talking about? And they look at him like, are you crazy? You know what happened in Jerusalem, right? And Jesus is acting like, no, I don't know what's going on. And so they tar- start to explain what, what happened in Jerusalem, how Jesus had died and and. They were expecting something. And what they were expecting was this Jesus that they had walked with for three years, this Jesus who had cast out demons and healed the sick and preached the the kingdom of God to people and saw many people follow him, this Jesus was to make a difference for the people of Israel by declaring war on Rome, toppling the Roman Empire, This is what they had expected. This is how they read their Old Testaments. This is what they were expecting Jesus to do because he, they believed, was the Messiah. But he died. It shattered their dreams. They go on to mention, well, a couple ladies came and told us that they didn't find him in his tomb, so maybe that's good news. And so as they're walking along, they asked Jesus to join them for supper. He says, all right, I'll join you for supper. And so in Matthew 24, verse 27, it says that Jesus, during that supper, began to explain to them from the Old Testament everything concerning him. Can you imagine that Bible story? He takes all of the Old Testament and he shows it, those two people how it applies to Jesus. Jesus is saying to them, I am the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And it says suddenly their eyes were opened. They realized who it was. And just the time they realized who it was, he vanished from their sight. There he goes again. We just saw him and now he's gone again. First he dies and now he vanishes. And so they go and they tell the other disciples. Hey, we we just saw Jesus. And the women were there too, and they said, we, we saw an empty tomb. Two men stood by us and said, why are you looking in the tomb? It's empty. He has risen. And so they're all scratching their heads. Now where is he? And just as they're doing that, he appears. Once again. Automatically appears. He says, hey, peace be unto you. And they're like, we think you're a ghost. That's what it says. They thought he was a ghost. And Jesus again explained to them everything concerning himself from the Old Testament. He repeats it. And then what he does is he tells them, reminds them actually, that the Holy Spirit is going to come as he promised If you remember John 16, the upper room discourse, Jesus was telling them that it's necessary for him to depart so the counselor, the comforter could come. Well, now it's time. So so for 40 days, Jesus spent with his disciples, teaching them, banishing their fears, 
helping them understand all that they need to know, opening their eyes to the Old Testament and how it was fulfilled in Jesus, and then teaching them about the promised Holy Spirit. And it was not until he told them about the Spirit and had answered their questions, felt they were ready, that he ascended to the Father's right hand. And that's what we read in Acts chapter 1. But they had this haunting question that we read in verse 6. Is it at this time, now that you're back, you disappeared, but now you're back again, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? What their perspective was, was what they probably read in Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2 said that Jerusalem would be the center for all the peoples of the nations to come and worship God. And they were thinking, this is the perfect time. You have just risen from the dead. Now's the time. And Jesus departs. And so they're left in awe of his ascension, but wondering, what is this going to be like? What is God up to? This is not what we expected. We expected more and more people to come to Jerusalem, more people to be converted by the Messiah. It's just not happening. So we turn over to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read several verses there as well. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of, as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Now, others were mocking, saying they're filled with new wine. And what we see here is something very significant. This is the reversal of something that happened back in Genesis chapter 11 called Babel. Do you remember that story? Humanity, on their own, wanted to reach God. So what did they do? They built what's back in ancient Near East, a ziggurat, a multi-tiered building or a tower. And they were trying to reach God. They're trying to get to heaven on their own. And God said, no. So God confuses the tongue, that's the Hebrew word babel, to confuse. He confuses their tongue. All of a sudden they find each other, they're speaking the same language, and they, they split up and the nations are, are born. 
what we have here is not man seeking to reach God in their own way, but God seeking to reach man in a new way. That's a beautiful picture of the unity of Scripture and how God takes what is a mess that man makes and makes it right. When those people were building that tower, they didn't expect that to happen. When the people of, uh, the, the disciples thought he was gonna build a temple, didn't happen. Disappointment everywhere. Bewilderment, disillusionment. But God had a better plan. And so, here we are. We're, we're, and there we go. So, now they're sitting The Spirit has come upon them. They're speaking in tongues. And God has done something amazing. And they're still not sure, what does this mean? I think we'd be in the same boat. We wouldn't understand it either. In fact, I believe today, we've lost the dynamic that we're about to read about in the church in the West. It goes something like this. You look at chapter 2 of Acts, we see Peter. Remember Peter? Denying Peter, confused Peter, bumbling Peter, couldn't get anything right unless God divinely gave it to him. Just a couple months after he denied Christ, he's here in a street corner of Jerusalem. And he's going to preach something that he had never preached before. He's going to say words that were not from him. The Holy Spirit had come upon him and the others. And now he stands. And he said, he stood up with the other 11, raised his voice. Remember, all those people from all the nations are gathered in Jerusalem. And he stands up, he says, listen to me. This is important. Lean in. He wasn't like, oh, hey, guys, I got something. If you have time, uh, I, I, I'd like to share something with you. No. He stood in the confidence that the Spirit of God had given him. And he proclaims to them a message that we need to recapture in the church in the West, and that is this, Jesus. Look at verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this, Jesus. He didn't start telling these people about the stories of walking by the Sea of Galilee with Jesus. He didn't recount everything that had happened to him and all the wonderful experiences he had with his master. He proclaims, Jesus. Listen to what he says. Jesus of Nazareth was a man. He talks about Jesus' humanity. Accredited by God, by his miracles, wonders, and signs, his deity, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose 
and foreknowledge. Wow. Do you remember Peter? This is the same Peter when Jesus said he had to go to the cross. He said, I will not let that happen. And you remember what Jesus said? Get behind me, Satan. Why did Jesus say that? Because Peter unknowingly wanted to stop Jesus from doing the very thing he came to do. He said, that's that's the work of Satan. That same Peter is now saying, you know what? By God's predetermined counsel, he delivered his own son. That could only be attributed to the coming and work of the Spirit of God at the day of Pentecost. Now, what's important about that? It's important because we understand that the message of our mission is Christ. We're getting that confused in churches today across our land. I believe we're in this ecclesiastical moment in our land where people are abandoning the faith. They are replacing Jesus with other commitments that make them feel more safe in this culture. And in this ecclesiastical moment, it's also a personal moment for you and for me, we have to ask the question, am I going to, one, renew my commitment to this kind of spirit-filled, spirit-led ministry of preaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ, where we live, learn, work, and play? Or two, am I gonna replace it with something that is more comfortable for me with my friends and my colleagues and my neighbors? I'll talk about spirituality, I'll, I'll talk about God, but not Jesus. A lot of churches are doing that, as you may know. They're giving in to all kinds of political ideologies and other things, and they're emphasizing the wrong thing. Or we can, thirdly, just reject Christ altogether. Those are the three choices in this moment. Do we renew our commitment to proclaim him and him alone? Do we replace it with something more comfortable for our culture, or do we reject it altogether? And there's churches right in our community that have completely rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as doing that, they have separated themselves from the 2,000 years of gospel preaching, spirit-enabled, spirit-empowered proclamation of Jesus the man Jesus, God. You see, that's, that's important. And so the first implication from Ephesians 1 and 2 is that Christ is the message of our mission, Jesus. And as you work your way through the messages of Acts, what you find over and over and over again is it's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. 
and you get to Paul and you read his letters and he says, to me, to live is Christ. If you put anything else in that place, to me, to live is health. To me, to live is financial security. To me, to live whatever. Then you can't say the last part of that same verse. For he said, to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. If for you to live is health, you'll be sorely disappointed. For you to live is financial security, it will be taken away. There's no pockets and shrouds, right? And this is, this is at, what is at stake. What Luke is wanting us to understand as he writes these letters, or writes these words, rather, is for us to understand the key dynamic of the church of Jesus Christ is precisely him, Jesus Christ. This is why Paul, in Ephesians chapter four, when he's talking about the ascension of Christ and that the ascension of Christ, Christ gave gifts to people through the Spirit so that Christ's mission that he began as he walked this earth would continue through his people. And so he gives them gifts. And he says the reason he gives gifts is so that the church, you, me, together, might grow up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Hope, we do not measure ourselves against each other. As a collective, we don't measure ourselves against another church. Hope Community Church, Summit, Vintage, C3, Shepherds, you name it, they are to measure and we are to measure ourselves against Jesus Christ. He is the message that we proclaim and the second implication of this is that we are responsible for that mission. It's easy, however, to neglect that. It's easy for us to get comfortable not sharing Jesus. And Luke wants to remind us there's a long history of men and women who gave their all for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Missionary stories, stories from all over the world of men and women that have gone into places that some of us wouldn't think about going to in order to tell them about Jesus. Good mission biographies are very rarely read anymore, but they're very well worth reading because they remind us of the people that have gone before us. My wife often says the cloud of witnesses that spur us on, that we can look to and gain courage from because they were faithful. We can be faithful and hope we need to be faithful. We do not want to be a church that replaces Christ with something more comfortable. 
We certainly do not want to be a church that rejects Christ altogether. I'm glad Hope is committed to the truth of God's word and to the proclamation of that. And we do that so that we can be equipped so when we're here being refreshed and renewed by the teaching of the word, we go out, we're sent, and this is the the work of the spirit he sends. So as you go through Acts, you find throughout Acts these, these little statements, and they appear at key places through the book of Acts. Chapter six, verse seven. The word of God spread and the number of disciples increased. Chapter 9, 31, and the souls of the, of the disciples were strengthened and God was adding to their numbers daily. 16, 5, the word of God spread. Disciples increased. 19, 20, the number of disciples increased. The word of God strengthened and spread. And then it ends in the last verse of chapter 28, with an unfinished task. Paul, in chains, still proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. When our minds race forward to the book of Revelation, you might remember that verse that says that there are people from every tribe and tongue and people group and nation standing before the throne of God and of the Lamb singing praise to him. How do they get there? It is our responsibility by the power of the Spirit, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to populate heaven with people from every tongue, tribe, nation. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. It's not the responsibility of the people that are up here speaking. I mean, it is, but not solely. Or the paid staff. It wasn't the responsibility simply of the 12 apostles for when they all gathered in Jerusalem and they were happy just to be in Jerusalem and God said, I wanted to go to Judea and Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. He sent persecution so the church would scatter. And who scattered? New believers scattered. People that were new in their faith. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. It was people like you and me. No credentials. No great scholarly, scholar like Paul. They went out and they spread the good news. And as they went and spread the good news, churches were started all over Asia Minor. It wasn't the work of one man. It was the work of the Spirit of God through the people of God, using the Word of God to proclaim the Son of God. That's our responsibility. Christ is the message of our mission. We are responsible for that mission. And as we go through Acts, we're gonna see that. People like you. So I can't do that. You're right. Not without the Spirit of God. 
I don't know what to say. Paul preached Jesus. You know Jesus. The proclamation doesn't mean you have to get up and preach in a corner, as Peter did. It means that you sit down over a coffee and share with a neighbor or a friend, a coworker, what Jesus has done in your life. Explain to them who this Jesus is. Let the Spirit of God do the work. We are not responsible for saving souls. That's his responsibility. We are responsible for proclaiming the good news. And the question is, are we up for that? There's nothing our God can't do through you in the lives of others by the power of the Spirit and the gospel of Christ. By God's grace, may hope be a place that always preaches the gospel and sends the family out to be the witnesses that the Spirit of God wants to use to populate the throne room of heaven with people from all over the world. Let's ask God to help us do just that. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your truth sets us free, and if it's good enough for us, we certainly don't want to hoard it, but at times we confess to you that that's how we live our lives. At times we forget that Jesus is the core of our message and that you've sent us on mission. Lord, we ask you, do a work in our hearts, individually, corporately, as a church family that propels us out of our comfort zones, out of our fear, and with boldness and grace, taking the message of Jesus by the power of the Spirit to the people who so desperately need to hear about him. Help us by your grace to continue strengthening and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.